Hi, I'm Joe Pavia, and thanks for listening to my podcast, Station to Station. The podcast revisits old radio interviews and news stories I was assigned to. You can find blogs, photos, and other stories on my website, joepavia.com. On this episode, you'll hear my 1988 interview with American political activist, Abby Hoffman. Test, 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 check, one, two, check, check. Test, one, one, check, one, one. Coming down in three, two, one. Abby Hoffman gave a two-and-a-half-hour talk to an audience at the War Memorial Hall at the University of Guelph in Guelph, Ontario, on September 13, 1988. He was in Ontario to attend what at the time was called the Festival of Festivals. It's now known as the Toronto International Film Festival. Hoffman was featured in a documentary called Growing Up in America by Canadian filmmaker Morley Markson. It told the story of what 60s activists like Hoffman, Jerry Rubin, and Timothy Leary were doing in the 1980s. That night, Abby Hoffman spoke, he had the flu, and he was recovering from a serious car accident that had happened that summer. Despite that, he held court for his scheduled talk entitled Watergate to Contragate, Criminals in the White House. There was no prepared speech. He didn't have any notes. Once he got rolling, there was no stopping him. He spoke about the U.S., which was going to be voting for a president that November. George Bush was the head of the Republican Party, while Michael Dukakis led the Democrats. He also focused on an article that was to be published in the October 1988 edition of Playboy magazine. It was called An Election Held Hostage and was co-authored with Jonathan Silvers. It was about the arms for hostage deal and its influence on the Reagan-Carter American presidential election of 1980. Some things I remember about the talk... He said if George Bush was elected, there would be a bigger exodus to Canada than during the Vietnam War. And then during a question-and-answer period with the audience, he gave one person tips on how to protest. We met backstage after his appearance for a 10-minute one-on-one interview. I admit, I didn't know where to start. He had just spoken for over two hours. He was in the history book, so really what new aspect of Abby Hoffman could I share with listeners? I started the interview with a comment he made on stage that night. He said that young people in 1988 were behaving as though they were middle-aged. I asked him to explain the comment, and this is what he said. Well, as I look at young people today, uh, uh, they seem to be too middle-aged. They don't seem young uh, in the sense of uh, being daring, courageous, risk-taking, excessive, uh, silly, and so on. Um, I have this theory that uh, Charles Darwin and the scientific creationists were both wrong about the origins of life, that life began on Earth for us on August 6, 1945, when they dropped the atomic bomb on Hiroshima, see, because at that moment we did become a global village in the sense that McLuhan meant, because everyone in the world, black, white, red, brown, Richard Ford, knew we could be snuffed out immediately. See, so we were born then, so in the 60s, naturally, we were all young. And uh, that phenomenon was not just in the United States or here in Canada. There's one book called The Global Imagination of the New Left by George Castefanis, a teacher at MIT, that shows in uh, countries all over the world this was going on. Uh, etc. 
Indeed, if you check this out by looking at mass magazines in the 60s, they were all, quote, youth-oriented. Uh, now, in the 80s, I'm going to make the statement that we're all middle-aged, young and old alike. And again, look at the mass media, and it's how to have a creative divorce, how to raise your children in a drug-free society, you know, how to invest uh, securely, etc. They're dealing with mid- middle-aged things. So uh, that's why uh, the young uh, seem to be on some wild scavenger hunt to discover the 60s. Nostalgia for your youth is a middle-aged phenomenon. It is not a phenomenon of youth. Uh, so uh, the young have to learn how to be young. That's what they have to do. Is, have you given this sort of advice to your kids with growing up in America? Uh, my kids are like me. They didn't listen to their parents, exactly. Uh, uh, we have um, a generation survived by deceiving the other generation, see. So in order to understand uh, what I just said about young people or where they are, you have kids uh, and then you become friendly with them and they're like spies. They tell you what the next generation's thinking about. And if you were to have Bush and Reagan over for supper, what would you serve them? <laughs> uh, virtually in my country, if I give you the answer, it's five years in prison. <laughs> Was there ever a, a president or that you did like? Like you, you mentioned, you were oh, talking sure, about sure, Lincoln. Sure. Better, uh, yes, yes, yes. Of course, there were plenty. Uh, even founders in my country, I have a favorite, Thomas Paine. Uh, Road Common Sense is best uh, political pamphlet in the town in which I live, Solbury, Pennsylvania. Unfortunately, most town folk know that James Michener lived there 10 years ago, and Brooke Shields, when she went to Princeton, kept a horse on a nearby farm. They don't know about Thomas Paine. Uh, he was uh, too radical for the American Revolution. I think they kicked him out, and he went to the French Revolution, and then they kicked him out, and he went to England, fought a revolution there. He was quite remarkable uh, because he was um, one of the few founders to actually write about women's liberation, to write uh, against slavery, you know, and things like that. So, uh, of course, uh, there are presidents uh, that I like and others that I don't. I liked uh, Lester Pearson. I thought he had a kind of vision of the world, the United Nations, and an idea of Canada as being a moral inspiration uh, in the world. I think actually Trudeau played this role too, although there were other roles that Trudeau played. Uh, But Joe Clark and Brian Mulroney, I mean, (laughs) you know. I can do the same with uh, Gorbachev, uh, you know, better than Brezhnev. Brezhnev or the other, uh, yeah, and drop off a of Stalin, etc. Gorbachev is amazing. What's going on in Russia is incredibly interesting. It's like the 60s over there now, right now. It's a youth revolution. Uh, Gorbachev, both Gorbachevs play a kind of role like the Kennedys did at the beginning of the 60s. It's extraordinarily interesting, the changes that are going on inside uh, Russia and China, too. Now, if you listen to intellectuals from the right, like Jean Kirkpatrick, uh, 
Noam Podar and so all the intellectuals around Reagan, they made a distinction between totalitarian and authoritarian regimes, i.e. Chile, that was like kind of okay because Pinochet would die, see, but uh, Russia, China, because they were the bad C word, you know, they got L word bad, uh, C word is even worse, uh, they wouldn't change, see. Uh, but it's so interesting to look at the last 10 years and the countries that have undergone extreme change are China and Russia. They're undergoing changes before our very eyes. My 1988 conversation with 1960s political activist Abby Hoffman. Hoffman had lived in Canada for some time as a fugitive on the run from a drug charge. The New York Times reported in an article that I read from 1981 that he had been arrested for selling $36,000 worth of cocaine to an undercover police officer in the early 1970s. While in Canada, Hoffman became involved in environmental causes to protect bodies of water in the U.S. and Canada, including the Thousand Islands, St. Lawrence River, and the Great Lakes. You can hear him speak about those causes on a video I posted on my website, JoePavia.com. He and Jerry Rubin appear on stage and debate the idealism of the 60s and the challenges of the 80s. And this may just be a Canadian thing, or maybe it's a me thing, but I was always impressed that Abby Hoffman knew the names of four Canadian prime ministers, and he mentioned how he admired Lester Pearson's vision of the world. Thanks for listening to my podcast, Station to Station. Links to two YouTube videos of Abby Hoffman as well as articles are posted on my website, JoePavia.com. That's where I've also posted blogs, photos, and stories I've covered. You can also sign up to have new stories emailed to your inbox. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you on the next podcast.